Praise God. So tonight, uh, I have two major messages in my heart. It's about the uh, exceeding riches of His grace. But uh, while they are singing, uh, I, I, it, what, one thing it caught me is the word, open up the gates and let the king come in. Actually, it's a message. It's the message I, I intended to share with you tonight opening up opening the gate of heaven amen it's about prayer but uh i would make the title uh opening up open up the gate amen opening up the gate of heaven if you have your bible would you turn it on genesis chapter 28 hallelujah i believe uh god is about to do something big for hawaii very soon it's in the atmosphere god is about ready to pour out a mighty move in hawaii but i want you to understand the principle how to allow god to move amen in our circumstance in our nation in your life in your family and that's why i would like to emphasize tonight pastor kaipo is it is it okay? It's a little bit loud. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm just talking. I don't preach yet. When I preach, maybe it's it's loud. Sometimes when I I feel the anointing, I cannot keep but to shout. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe uh, there are more. Christians, more intercessors today in Hawaii. And I've been to different uh, islands also and sensing what God is about to do here in Hawaii because I believe in the prophecy that God is about to uh, spark the third awakening. It's, uh, there are actually pockets of revival now in different parts of USA. But God's plan, I believe, and many prophets have prophesied that uh, the great awake, the great move of God will start in Hawaii. Amen. And uh, me, as I observe the move of God, and my one of my ministry is to prepare people to receive this end time move of God. Amen. And it, it has been my burden and desire to be uh, to participate with the move of God. And uh, as a minister of the gospel for about 32 years, I've experienced real revival. I have seen the power of God. And actually, uh, for the past year, we have conducted four major crusades, uh, salvation and healing crusade in, in La Union, in our place. And uh, the Lord moves in a mighty way. Every auditorium is filled with people and mighty signs and wonders. The last crusade we have in Burgos, <coughs> uh, 38 years old, deaf and mute, inborn, was completely healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, the mother began to shout because for the first time within 38 years, he heard his son began to utter words and began to hear words. Inborn, deaf and mute. Amen. Those are kinds of miracles. And I expect that uh, this mighty move of God, you can see creative miracles. Things are 
<coughs> part of our bodies that has been removed by doctors can be replaced in a split second. Amen? Missing uh, finger will just pop up. Missing legs will just shoot up. The power of God is about to move because the Bible tells us in Haggai chapter 2 verses 9, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. The word glory there <coughs> in relation to the move of God is uh, from, from the Hebrew word kabod. It, it simply means the weight or if you say the weight, you know, are you lifting weights? You know? I mean the how how heavy it is. Now it 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 just emphasized the word glory means the weight, meaning it's talking about the mighty move of God. Amen. So if you measure the weight of God's movement, it's becoming greater and greater and stronger. So he's talking about the glory when he's talking about the glory of the latter house will be greater. In other words, in these last days, the move of God will become stronger, weightier. Amen? Because compared with all the past move of God in the Old Testament, remember, it was always God's plan to field His uh, tabernacle or, or His work with His glory. Amen? It started in Genesis, in Exodus, I should say, chapter uh, 40, verses 34 up to verses 38, after Moses had built the tabernacle. Amen? God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle based on Ma uh, Exodus chapter 25, when he said, Ask the people of Israel to give me a freewill offering of gold, silver, and, and many items. And the purpose is in verses 8, when he said, Let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, but see to it, verses 9, that you make it according to the pattern I've shown you. There is actually a literal tabernacle in heaven. Revelation or Hebrews chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says that Moses made the tabernacle according to the pattern showed him as a copy of the real one in heaven. So Moses made the tabernacle exactly as he, as God shown him, the tabernacle in heaven. Where God dwells in heaven. They, we, we always say, God dwells in heaven. But what particularly is the place in heaven where God dwells? It typifies, the tabernacle shows us where God dwells. It's in the holy of holies. The tabernacle that Moses made is the replica. It's the copy of what is in heaven. So, God wants Moses to do as it is, as, as he has seen, so that God can dwell here in earth. The pattern, amen. And what happened after Moses had finished the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 up to verses 48, the Bible tells us that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, amen. And the tabernacle never left the the glory of God never left the tabernacle in the eyes of the Israelite day and night. Amen. During the day, it's like a cloud. But during the night, it's like a fire. Literally, a big fire. Amen. They can see. 
That's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verses uh, 44, that we have a tabernacle of witness. The word witness in the book or in a book of Matthew, in the book of Acts, is not just sharing the word, but the word witness is something evidential, something powerful. Amen. So we have a tabernacle of witness simply means a tabernacle that is filled with God's glory. Amen. So the tabernacle in the Old Testament was filled with glory, the weight of God's power. Now, after the destruction of the tabernacle, God instructed, amen, put the desire in the heart of David to build a temple. Amen. And he gathered all the wealth that he could. He thought, uh, planning to build a, taberna, a temple. But the Lord said to him, Amen? In First Chronicles chapter 29, it's not you who will build it, but your son. David. Amen. So his, uh, Solomon was the one who built the tabernacle. So in Second Chronicles chapter 6 and chapter 7, let's look at it. That when, when uh, Solomon finished the, taber, the temple, what happened? In chapter 7, verses 1, then the glory of the Lord filled the temple again. From the tabernacle filled with glory, and then the temple will filled with glory, my brothers and sisters. Amen. And even the priest could not minister because the glory filled the temple. That is God's plan from the very beginning. Amen. And... The Solomonic temple has also been destroyed. And then they built the second temple, the Zerubbabel's temple in the book of Haggai. But because of negligence, brothers and sisters, when they have laid the foundation in chapter 1, they stopped building it and they began to build their own houses. And the Lord said, consider your way. Don't say that it is not yet time to build the temple. And when people were, were uh, convicted, they began to build the temple again. But when they compared the glory of Zerubbabel's temple with the Solomonic temple, many of the old began to cry and say, it's nothing. And God made a promise. Listen, God made a promise. Amen. Because he said, be, be encouraged, verses 6 up to verses 9. But in verses 9, because he said in verse 7, 6, 7, 8, that the, law, the, the desirable nation will come. Who is the desirable nation? None other than the solution. And it will be brought by the Redeemer. Amen. And in verses 9, the Lord made a promise specifically. I don't want to... Uh, go so long on this because this is just my introduction as Pastor Kaipo said. Okay? So the Bible says in verses 9, the glory of the latter house, amen, will be greater than the former, greater than the glory in the tabernacle, greater than the glory manifested in the Solomonic temple, God will show up and show the weight of His power, the greatness of what He can do, the power of God will be manifested on the latter house. But if you read your Bible, the glory never manifests in Zerubbabel's temple. And that Zerubbabel's temple was destroyed again and then they began to build another temple in Israel that is the Herod, Herod's temple. 
Amen. That's the temple where Jesus Christ went and cleansed. The question is, God promised that the, gl the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Where is the glory? God has allowed the tabernacle to be destroyed. God has allowed the Solomonic temple to be destroyed. And even the Zerubbabel and even, brothers and sisters, at that time, the Lord prophesied that even this temple will be destroyed. It happened 70 AD. Then, what is the house that God is talking about? What is the temple that He's talking about? The real temple, the real temple that God really wants. All those are just shadow of things to come, but Jesus Christ came according to Matthew chapter 16, verses 18, and He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. So the real temple, the real house of God that Jesus is building, is the church no other than you and me according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 know you not that you're the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you you and me now are the real temple amen it start in the book of Acts in the book of Acts chapter 2 we know that Jesus said in chapter 1 verse 8 when the Holy Ghost come upon you you shall receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and uttermost part of the world in other words when the Holy Spirit come you will fulfill my desire you will fulfill my command you will be going to different part of the world starting from Jerusalem and as a witness meaning what does it mean to be a witness? To be a witness is not just sharing the gospel with words, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, Apostle Paul said, Our gospel came not to you by words only, but with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3, My preaching is not with enticing word of human wisdom, but with a demonstration of the power of the Spirit, so that your faith will not stand on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Romans chapter 15, beginning verses 18, when he said that I have nothing to speak to you except what Christ has done to me in words and in deed. How I was able to convince the Gentile and I have fully preached the gospel with signs and wonders. Are you with me? So the Bible is talking about that in these last days, God will pour out a greater manifestation of His glory on the latter house. And He prophesied that latter house, which will be filled with His glory in Joel chapter 2, beginning verses 23, when He said, I will pour out. Amen? Amen. I, I will send you the former rain and the latter rain. And he said in verses 28, Amen. In that last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. The first group of people, I am a believer, that God will use the young people in these last days. Because they are, according to the prophecy, will be the first who will experience a mighty move of God. And the Bible says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. They will share the word of God with anointing and power of the Spirit. You and me, not the old generation but the younger generation come on tell somebody this is our generation amen i'm still young <laughs> and i i'm a part of this generation 
And I believe the Lord said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll speak, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even to the handmaiden, and everybody will experience the power of God. And it was fulfilled, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Amen. Amen. When the day of Pentecost, the Lord poured out, amen, the former rain. Amen. On, why it is on the day of Pentecost? Because that's the day when they gathered the first fruit. Amen. And they make it into uh, lobes, two lobes, and they began to wave. Simply, it means the two kinds of group of people that will be the fruit of the power of the Spirit, the Jews and the Gentile. But we are about to experience the greatest in gathering, the greatest harvest. But the greatest harvest will be preceded first by the latter rain, the greatest rain at that time it is like a big storm cyclone or whatever it's 10 times greater than the former rain yeah 10 times greater than the former rain it causes the the wheat to be mature amen and at that time they will be gathered after the outpouring of the latter rain then they will gather the great harvest of wheat now it symbolizes what god uh, is about to do in these last days. The outpouring of the former rain was outpoured in the book of Acts, but the Lord, hallelujah, prepared a great move of God in these last days. Amen. Amen. The outpouring of the Spirit, the glory of the latter house, the latter house, the house in the last days will be greater than the former. And as I look back, I began to see the move of God becoming greater. And we are about to see the greatest movement of God. Because when all the fivefold ministry is restored, remember during the time of dark ages, only pastor was left. But after the time of reformation from 15th century brothers and sisters began to restore the teachers, pastors, teachers, amen? Now, on the 18th century, God began to raise up the evangelists. In the 19th century, in the 20th century, we can hear now the prophets. And now, in our generation, we always hear the word apostolic, apostolic. Why? God needs to restore all the fivefold ministry to complete the minister of the gospel, full anointing. And we are about to experience the greatest move of God in this earth. But the question is, what will bring about this greatest move of God? Let me say prayer, a powerful prayer. James chapter 5, verses 16, the Bible tells us, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And James, who can use uh, Moses, Abraham, Samuel, David, or Jeremiah, or Isaiah, any prophets of the Old Testament who are intercessors, amen? But he chose Elijah. Why? Because among all the prophets of the Old Testament, there is only one who pray for a rain, and rain comes down. His name is Elijah. Because God's plan in these last days will pour out a great manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit, like the latter rain. So, he uses Elijah, the prophet of God, who prayed down for the rain. Amen. According to verses 17, like Elijah... Who have the same passion, the same nature like us. He has also his own weaknesses. 
but that doesn't hinder him to become the, the, the uh, I mean, an intercessor who bring down the outpouring of rain, amen, at that time. And God is saying, in these last days, I'm not going to dwell so much about that, but I want you to understand, before a mighty move of God, before any act of God in this earth, He requires a prayer. Prayer warriors, like Elijah, who know how to pray fervently, how to pray earnestly. It's not just praying from your mouth, from your lips, or from your mind, but it is something, a particular kind of prayer. It's not just any kind of prayer that will bring this revival. You may be praying for all your life, but the, the prayer that will bring this kind of revival is a type of the Bible which is called a fervent prayer. Amen. An earnest prayer. Something so intense. Amen. Amen. Intense. The, the desire is intense and also persistent prayer. And that's what I'm about to share with you tonight, that we can open the gate of heaven. Amen. Through prayer so that God can come in. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28. Are you with me? My, my introduction is 30 minutes. My message is 10 minutes. Okay. Okay. But let's look at it. Verses 10. Genesis 28, starting with verses 10. Of all the revelation about prayer, this is something I've learned which is very clear that I have not really understood before. The Bible says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stone of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Something happened in verses 12. Remember verses 10 and 11 talking about Jacob coming to a certain place. What is this certain place? This is actually the place where Abraham meet with God and offer sacrifice to God and build uh, an altar unto the Lord. In Genesis chapter 12 verses 7 up to verses 8. Amen. God always put a mark, a memorial, any place where it is used for glorifying God, to sacrifice for the glory of God. So when Abraham offered a sacrifice in Bethel, amen, that place was marked by God. Amen. Abraham talked with God and God revealed himself in Bethel. And when Jacob, running away from Saul, came to this place, a certain place, amen, which is actually, he called Bethel in verses 19. Bethel means house of God, amen. Now, let's look at what God has revealed through a dream. And I want us to understand the nature of prayer here with this revelation of God to Jacob. First of all, in verses 12, he said, the Bible tells us in verses 12, And then he dreamed, and behold, listen, a ladder was set up on earth. He's talking about a ladder set up on earth, not in heaven. Set up on earth, amen, set up on earth, 
and its top reaches the heaven. In other words, from here, from this earth that connects heaven. It's a ladder. Amen. It's a ladder that connects earth to heaven. What is that? So he said, I saw angels ascending and descending. Amen. Hallelujah. And on top of it, meaning at the end of that ladder, verse 13, the, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I give to you and, the descend, and your descendant. Also your descendants shall be as dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you, mark the word, in you and your seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back into this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Okay. What is this ladder? That connects earth to heaven. Why God show Jacob a ladder that connects heaven. Where the angel. Remember the Bible says. Not coming down first. But going up first and coming down. The ladder is a symbol of prayer. Amen. That connects. What connects earth to heaven. Amen. Is actually our prayer. And why the angels were mentioned there? Because according to Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 up to verses 5, the angels are the ones who carry our prayer and offer it at the altar of God. Amen. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 8, verses 3, another angel had been given a golden censer and with incense that he may offer with the prayer of the saints. Amen. And when the incense is burning, the smoke of incense comes from the hand of the angel, rose to the altar of God, and then the angel took the fire out of the altar and threw it on this earth. Now, let's look at the picture of heaven. Amen. That our prayer like incense, the prayer of the saints is rising to the altar of God from the hand of an angel. That's why when God revealed to Jacob about this ladder, he saw angel going up first. Meaning, when we pray, God began to listen to us. Amen. And because of our prayer, God will begin to respond and the angel will come down and give us the answer to our prayers. So, literally, the ladder that, that, that connects earth to heaven is about the connection of earth to heaven. It is true prayer. Why? Why I say it's prayer? Because in verses, let's, let's jump from verses uh, 14 to 15. Let's go first in verse 16. After the dream, Jacob was awakened and he mentioned three comments about the place. He said first, God is in this place. Hello. First comment of, of, of Jacob after the dream, amen? Because when he saw the ladder on top of the ladder, amen, that is in heaven, he saw the Lord, amen. And remember, the Lord, amen, from the ladder that connects to heaven, the Lord is there. And who is the Lord? He did at least four things. First, the Lord revealed himself. 
to Jacob, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, your father. He revealed himself, not I was, not I will be, but I am. Meaning, I am your present God. I am not just the God of your father in Abraham, but actually, eventually, the Lord, every time Israel uh, pray or call on God, they said, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob also. Are you with me? Why Jacob was mentioned? Although according to Genesis 32, was, uh, his name was already changed, replaced with Israel. His name is supposed to be Israel. But whenever he is presented as the God, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Why instead of Israel, God said, I am the God of Jacob? Because it reminds us who Jacob is. Jacob is not a perfect man. He, he did something wrong. And yet, in spite of who he is, because of his intense desire for God, God maintained, I am the God of Jacob. Instead of saying, I am the God of Israel. I mean, God is saying, I am the God, even those who have weakness. I'm still the God of Abraham, my friend. I am the God of uh, a person who is committed like Isaac. But I am, I am also the God of Jacob, a person who have weakness. Are you with me? God is not only the God of the righteous. He is not only the God of those who are faithful, who are strong. But God said, I am the God of Jacob. Even you have failed, I am still your God. And the Lord said, the first thing that the Lord did after he revealed himself, said, I will give you this land. Whenever you know God, when you come to him, you know him, the next thing he he want to reveal to you is, I will give you. I will give you this land. The land is about the inheritance. Their inheritance. God is interested. Once you know Him, God is interested in giving you your inheritance. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Everything. And the Lord said in verses 14, I am with you. I am not only going to give you this land, but I am with you. And God promised at least two or three things. Because I am with you, the Lord said, Hallelujah, wherever you go, wherever you go, meaning even to the point, like Abraham, when he met Bethel, he goes beyond Bethel. What happened? Famine came. But the Lord is saying, even when you miss sometime, even when you go so far, the Lord said, I will bring you back. Amen. God is a God of restoration. Even when you fail, even when you went beyond His will, God said, I will be with you wherever you go, and I will bring you back. Even when you miss it, even when you go beyond, it's my plan to bring you back again to me, bring you back again to my plan. I am your God. I'm committed even when you fail. Hello, sometimes we say God is only committed to the faithful. No, God is saying, even when you went beyond, I'll bring you back. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, amen. Hallelujah. I think that is chapter 2, verses 13. The Lord said, even when we are not faithful, he will remain faithful. 
Even when we are faithless, He will remain faithful. Are you with me? Don't be discouraged when you fail. Hallelujah. The devil is succeeding uh, in, in, in discouraging many Christians today because the devil is saying you are not perfect. You are not worthy to serve God because you miss it. You go beyond it. But the Lord said, I will be with you wherever you go and I will bring you back even when you miss it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, give a clap offering to the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because God loves you so much. He didn't just leave you when you fail. He didn't just leave you when you miss it. God is the God of restoration. He's calling upon you. The plan of God in your life is not just a plan of lifting you up. But even when you fail, it was already included in His plan to bring you back again. To restore you back again. Hallelujah. Pray for those who have fallen. Pray for those who have backslidden. Because part of the covenant of God, I will bring you back. Hallelujah. But sometimes... We condemn. I don't like that brother. He was faithful before now. He's talking something. He's out of the way. Instead of condemning them, give them hope. The Lord said, I will bring you back. And the last part of verse, verses 15 is this. The Lord said, I will not leave you. He said in verses 14, but he said, he concluded, until, until I have done what I have spoken. The Lord is saying, hallelujah, no matter what happened along the way, I will not leave you. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said in John 20, uh, uh, in, in Matthew 28, verses uh, 20, I will be with you always. Not only when you are strong, not only when you are faithful, not only when you are obedient, but even when you miss it, I will be with you always all the time in every situation I'll not according to Hebrews 13 verse 5 I'll never leave you nor forsake you because his name is Emmanuel Matthew 1 verse 23 meaning God with us hallelujah are you with me so that, now let's, let's, let's uh, connect everything he saw a ladder that connects earth to heaven and angels going up and coming down. And he saw the Lord and what God revealed. I am the Lord your God. I am the God who have a promise. I will give you. Amen. I am with you. I will bring you back. And the Lord ultimately closed the conversation by saying, I will not leave you until I have done everything. Look at me. God will never leave you until He finishes what He has started. You may miss it sometimes. You may go. But God is committed. God is committed to bring you back. The Lord is saying, I will not leave you until. You know, if you look at the life of Jacob, he still has lots of struggle. But the Lord fulfilled His promise. I will not leave you. I will still be with you until I have fulfilled all my promise. God's desire is for you and me to experience all His plan, 
to re-experience all His promises. But remember now, we are talking a God who wants to give you your inheritance. We are talking a God who will never leave you. We are talking a God who will restore you. We are talking a God, amen, about God who is committed to you until He fulfills everything He promised. But within the context of what? A ladder that connects earth to heaven. In other words, the connection is prayer. And Jacob said, commented three things in verse 16 and 17, the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. The second comment is he said, how awesome is this place? This must be the house of God. Amen. And the last part, I'm pinpointing that part. Now listen, he said, the gate of heaven. Hello. Our mental... Uh, Mentality or our uh, old concept is the gate of heaven is in heaven. Are you with me? It's, 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 it's natural for us to believe that the gate of heaven must be in heaven. But now God has revealed long time ago to Jacob that the gate of heaven is in the house of God and in the house of God, God dwell, brothers and sisters, the gate of heaven is in this earth. The gate of heaven is in this earth. Are you with me? The gate of heaven is in this earth. It's in the house of God. And who are the house of God today? Who are the house of God? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19, he said, You are no member of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostle, prophets, which Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. We are fitted together to build, amen, to become a building, a house for God to dwell. We are now the member of the house of God, the body of Christ. We are being built, amen, upon the apostle, prophets, and Jesus as the cornerstone. You and me is now presently the very house of God on this earth. Let me say, because you are the house of God on this earth, you are now the connection of heaven here on earth. And through you, you can connect earth to heaven Praise God, hallelujah, and employ the angel to go up so that they can come down. One pastor had a vision. And in that vision, he saw many angels, different kind. There are angels who have six wings. There are angels who have two wings. There are angels who have no wings. I thought all, all angels have wings. No. No. Amen. I want you to understand there are different angels, different jobs. There are angels who never leave the presence of God. They just worship God. There are angels, their part are warrior angels. They fight for Israel. Amen. Amen. There are angels also. Amen. Carrier. Uh, at, this, at this point, this pastor saw all angels are busy. But he found out more angels are Doing nothing. And I said, I could not understand why all other angels are busy. And this angel, majority of them, are, are not doing anything. And then he asked the angel, why, why are these angels doing nothing? Because their job is to carry the prayer of the righteous. Why they are not doing anything? 
because no one is praying. Amen? They're jobless. You know why? You, you didn't, you, if you don't pray, you don't give them job. If you don't pray, they don't have a job because their job is to bring your prayer to the altar of God. Amen. And bring the answer to you. If we don't pray, there are many multitude of angels jobless. Come on. Now, let's connect. Let's connect all the promise God and all His promises and all His commitment within the context of a ladder that connects heaven with His prayer. And the gate of heaven is the key there. In order for God then, in, in summation, in order for God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, can fulfill His promise, amen, there must be somebody who will open the gate of heaven for Him. Because God, who is on top of that ladder, will never go bypass any or just cross any door or any gate. He will always go through the gate of heaven. God is a gentle God according to Revelation chapter uh, 3 verses 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Amen? Whoever will open the door, I will come in. In other words, God wants to intervene in your life. God wants to bless you. God wants to fulfill His promise to you. God wants to bring you back. God wants to move in your life until He fulfills His promise. But He requires somebody to open the gate of heaven so that He can do His job. And who is the house of God in the gate of heaven today? Open your Bible. As I've told you, that we are now the house of God in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5, we are living stone built up to become a house of God, a habitation of God. Now, let's look at the purpose. Okay, listen to me. What is the purpose why God built His houses here on earth? What's the purpose? Isaiah 56, verse 7, the Bible says, Them I will bring, amen, into my house of prayer so that they experience joy. Amen? And I will accept their offering and their sacrifices in my house of prayer because my house will be called the house of prayer of all nations. What is the main purpose why God built a house here on earth? Because that house will be the connection of earth to heaven and connection of heaven and earth so that God has a way to come here in this earth from heaven so that he can move. And that house is particularly mentioned and rebuilt as the gate of heaven. The house of God is where God dwells and the house of God is also the gate of heaven. Simply mean God the God of Abraham, who has all the promise, who want to give your inheritance, who want to protect you, who want to bring you back, restore you, and committed to fulfill all his promise, is in the house. But the house is the gate of heaven. It's not he, God is not the one who will open the gate of heaven because the Bible says the house must be the house of prayer of all nations. Let me look at a little bit so that uh, I will close with this. Isaiah 64. The greatest desire of a human being of what God can do was mentioned in Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 and 2. Let's look at it. Isaiah said, Oh, 
If you will only rent the heaven, if you will only open the heaven and you will come down, you will shake the mountain which is a symbol of immovable things in this earth. Amen? Like mountain of problem, mountain of pride, mountain of all the problem in this world. The, the, Isaiah said, if you will only open the heaven, if you rent the heaven and come down, you can shake the mountain. If you will only demonstrate your power like a fire that burns or consumes the brushwood, the strongest wood, and the fire that boils the water, amen, meaning to, to boil a pot of water is easy. But to boil the sea, it takes the power of God. So Isaiah is saying, you can do this, O oh God, and the purpose is to make your enemy know your name. In other words, if only God will come down from heaven, if he will only open heaven, if he will rent heaven and come down and shake the immovable and demonstrate his power like a fire that burns the brushwood, that boils the water, then his enemy will know him and nation will tremble at his presence. Amen. So Isaiah know what God can do. He can shake mountain. He can burn the brushwood. He can boil the water. He can make the enemy, the atheist, the Muslim, and anybody to believe in him. They will know God if only God will show up and demonstrate his power. And he can literally, the whole world will be shaken. They will tremble at his presence if only God will come down. My question, I, I have two questions. First is, can God do it? Can God really come down and shake the nation and make his enemy know him? Can God really, really shake the world and people will tremble? Can God do it? Hello, are you with me? Can God do it? The answer to that is absolute yes. Now, the next question is this. Why God is not doing it? If he is so powerful... And he know he can shake the mountain. He can make the enemy know him. And he can allow, manifest his presence so that every nation will tremble at his presence. Will know him, literally. The question is, if he can do it, why is he not doing it? Hmm? Are you with me? Why is he not doing it? The answer is in verses 6 and verses 7. The same chapter. He said, all our righteousness are like filthy rugs. All our iniquity have. I mean, he's talking about sin as hindrance to the move of God. But there is a greater hindrance to the move of God. Verse 7. Verse 7. Look at your Bible. It says there, because no one is calling on your name. No one stirred himself up. To take hold of God. That's the real reason. Although God can show up. Although God can fulfill his promise. Remember God already declared to Jacob. I am the God of your father Abraham and Isaac. I will give you this land. I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. I will bring you back. And I am committed to fulfill everything I promise you. I will never leave you the Lord said. If God already made a promise. If God is so powerful. And he can do everything. Why is he not doing it? Because verse 7 said, No one is calling on your name. 
no one stirred himself up to take hold of you. Now, listen to this. Those who call on God should take hold of His promise. But sometimes, we begin to pray, we don't even have a promise to hold. Do you know that when you pray, you must take hold of the promise of God. And when you take it, hold it until you get it. Let's look at Jacob. Amen? In Genesis chapter 32. When he wrestled with the angel of God, and the angel said, let me go. But Jacob, although the angel has already touched the hip socket, what you know, Jacob said in verse 26 of Genesis 32, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Remember at this point, his hip socket is already out of joint. Literally, physically, he has no more strength. Why is it that the angel cannot, amen, cannot, cannot be loose out of the, out of the uh, embrace or or, or the hold of Jacob. Who's stronger? The angel or Jacob? Because the strength of an angel. Actually an angel can kill. At least 10,000 people in a split second. They're so strong. Mighty angels. They're called mighty angels. Are you with me? But how is it? That the angel need to say to Jacob, let me go, let me go, let me go. The strength of Jacob is not physically, but the strength of his desire. What is his desire? Verse 26 of 32 of Genesis, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then the angel said in verse 27, what is your name? Why you ask my name? Because my name is Jacob. Today, your name is Israel. Because you wrestled with God and man and you prevail. How can you wrestle with God and prevail? It's the strength of your desire. It's the strength of your hold on his promises. Jacob had received the promise of God in Genesis 28. Amen. So he grabbed hold of the angel of God and hold the promise of God and never let go unless you bless me. If we only come to God and take hold of his promise and never let go until God answers our prayer. But how many times we start praying? But we don't prevail. Do you know why? Because we stop. We get tired. We lose hope. I've been praying for how many years? No, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Luke 18 verse 1, the Lord said, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Do not faint. Don't stop praying. Push, pray until something happens. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. Listen. He's talking about the house of God that connects heaven and earth. The God who made a promise, but he need to go through the ladder. And the ladder that connects heaven and earth, and earth to, uh, earth to heaven and heaven to earth, is the house of God. Who is the house of God? You and me. And what's the purpose of the house of God? My house should be called a house of prayer. It simply means, if you will pray, if you will only open the gate, because the house of God is also the gate of heaven here on earth. It's not in heaven. 
It's not God who will open the door. Actually, Isaiah have a wrong concept because he's asking God to open the gate of heaven. While in fact, the Lord said to Jacob, my gate is in this house. The gate of heaven is in this house. The moment you pray, the moment you fulfill the purpose of my house, it's not even a house of fellowship. It's not even a house of worship. It was called a house of prayer. Not even a called a house of activity. But most things that are happening in the house of God are activities, gathering, fellowship, praise and worship. But where are prayers? God said, my house should be called a house of prayer. Your house, my house, this body will become the house of God. And not only a house of God, you and me is the gate of heaven here in earth. The key is in your hand. If you will not open the gate, although God is all-powerful, but He cannot fulfill His promise here in this earth, it's up to you to open the gate of heaven so that God can come in and move upon this earth. Amen? My brothers and sisters, let me close this by giving you a testimony. At one time, Kenneth Hagen is about to sleep. Amen? But the Spirit moved in his heart. To pray. So he don't know what he pray. So pray, he pray in the spirit. He's praying. But his prayer went up to one hour. From 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock in the evening. And after the burden was lifted, he slept. But early in the morning, somebody is knocking at the door. And when he opened it, it was his brother. With uh, torn clothes. And he said, why you didn't come home last night? He said, last night, somebody, a holdupper who took all the precious things from all the, the people inside the train are going to take my, my, my watch and all my jewelry, my, my pocket, I mean, mean my wallet. I refused and he kicked me out of the train while it was running 70 miles per hour. Train running, he should have been dead. And the Lord said, he is the one you are praying last night. Because you respond, you have allowed me to save your brother. Because he pray. Amen. But sometimes when it is time to pray, we give more power to our pillow or to our bed than the call of God. But sometimes God is saying, pray, pray. I want to save somebody. I want to perform miracle. But we say, oh, I need to sleep. Maybe tomorrow we miss a miracle. We miss a move of God. Why? We don't open the gate. Because God can only move in this earth when somebody will open the gate for him to come in. The song says, open the gate of heaven and let the king come in. He, amen? He's the lion in the tribe of Judah. Amen? Who can stop the Lord? Prayer is the one that can stop the Lord. If you don't pray, he, has, he cannot move in this earth. It's up to you now to open the gate of heaven. Tonight, what will you do? You want God to move in this earth. You want God to fulfill His promise. He already made His commitment. He wants to give us His inheritance. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He promised to restore us when we miss it. He promised that He will never leave us until He fulfills everything. But you will only allow Him to do what He wants to do when you open the gate so that He can come in and move in your family, move in your circumstance, because God is depending on the house of God. The house of God is the house of prayer, and the house of God and the house of prayer is the gate of heaven here on earth. When we don't pray, 
God is limited on this earth. But the more we pray, that's why God emphasized so much about prayer in the Bible. Because without prayer, God can do nothing on this earth. But when somebody began to pray, not, not necessarily thousand, God said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, if there are only two or three agreeing on earth as touching anything, then my Father from heaven will hear. Brothers and sisters, tonight, I challenge you. God is about to move in this earth with His greatest glory, with the greatest manifestation of His power. But why it tarries? Why? Why so long? Because instead of us waiting on God to move, actually, God is waiting on us to open the gate so that He can come in and do what He promised. Why the move of God, the power of God is delayed? Why He can't move in our midst today? Why many churches, many Christians have never truly experienced the miraculous working power of God except salvation? Because we allow Facebook to have more power in our life than God. We allow our pillow or our bed to have more power. We allow many activities to crowded our life while in fact the Bible says, my house, you, me, our house should become a house of prayer. If we will only fulfill the purpose of God in the house of God as a house of prayer, as we open the gate, then the king will come in and do whatever he wants to do in this earth. Brothers and sisters, it's up to you now to open the gate. Shall we?